Revelation chapter 3, and I draw your attention to the verse 20 tonight, which is our text where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It is especially the first part of the verse that I want to leave with you. Jesus Christ says, he says it, it must therefore be true. Behold, I stand at the door. Jesus says, I stand at the door. The door is the door of the Laodicean church. Christ is at the wrong side of the door. He's not in the midst of the church. He's not in the center of the place where he ought to be. He ought to be in the midst. But here he is outside the life, it seems, of this congregation. And he's knocking, knocking at its door. And he's speaking as well, because he says, if any man hear my voice, knocking and speaking and standing at the door. And he's calling to all within. In fact, he tells us who he's calling to. Any man, if any man in the church, if any man in Laodicea, saved or unsaved, if any man in this place here that this letter is written to and to whom my gospel goes, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and will sup with him. So he's even telling us, any man, any man's welcome. Any man who hears the voice and he's calling, whether he's a converted man whether he's an unconverted man, I don't think it matters. If he hears Christ's voice as he stands at the door and opens, Christ will come in. The Lord Jesus is shut out at the moment, it seems. You know, no life should shut Jesus Christ out. No man should shut Jesus Christ out of his life. Certainly a church shouldn't shut Jesus Christ out of the church. I mean, that's unthinkable to let everything else in and shut out Jesus Christ. And certainly no human heart, no soul should shut Christ out. Christ should be the center of every human heart. You ought to know the Savior. You ought to be supping with Jesus Christ. You ought to be having fellowship and communion with such a Lord. But there are hearts and Christ is locked out of them. Hearts even in the church, it seems. Christians who do not seem to be enjoying the Lord. Unregenerate men and women who are not enjoying the Lord. And this is the posture that Jesus takes up outside their hearts. Behold, I stand. I stand. So we're looking at the posture of Jesus at the door, standing. That's the only time to think of this aspect of the image. It's a powerful verse. There's so much in it. 
but we've only time to think about this posture of standing. And notice how the Lord Jesus introduces it. He says, Behold, behold, I stand it. It's something you have to see. It's something you have to eye and picture. It's an image. And you forget about the words for a moment, and you get the picture. Behold, look, look and see. Aye, it's Jesus Christ who says that the Son of God, I, behold, I, I'm the one standing. It's Christ who's standing at the door of the church. It's Christ who's standing at the door of the heart of any man who will hear his voice. It's the Son of God. It's the only begotten. It's the one who is the express image of the Father, the glorious person of the Son of God. Behold, I. It's the Creator, the one who is the beginner of the creation of God, as it says, the one who is the Lord. It's the Almighty, the Omnipotent One, who can smash the door down. But he stands. Behold, I stand, he says. God of God, begotten, not made, equal with the Father in power and glory, and of the same substance with him. It's that glorious Son who stands. Imagine he stands outside the door. Behold, that's why he says, Behold, behold this, you sinners who are within earshot of my voice, and you're hearing my voice in the gospel as my servant preaches it and proclaims it. Behold, I stand, he says. Christ is standing at your heart tonight. There's no question about it. You're in earshot of his voice. He's standing. If any man hear my voice. And so he stands at the door. Yes, I know his sweet spirit must be put through the door to melt and incline your heart. I know that. I know that, but I'm not speaking of that. I'm not speaking of the necessity of the Holy Spirit to come in and melt the heart so that you'll open the door. That's not my subject tonight. My subject is Christ standing at the door in the gospel. That's my subject tonight, the posture he takes. What can we learn from this posture which our dear Lord adopts at the sinner's heart? What can we learn from this amazing thing? Well, the first thing that we surely must learn is the condescension of Christ. Behold, I stand. I think that is one of the reasons why he says this word, behold. This is an amazing thing that the Son of God should stand. He's closed out, but that he should stand there and knock and call. I mean, this led to saying church is a disgrace. It is so arrogant and so proud and so wicked in its behavior. Uh, the Lord has been put outside. But does he go away? He stands. The condescending grace, the great and mighty one that he is, and yet he stands. He waits outside like a servant. He stands outside like a servant, waiting for admission 
And of course, Jesus Christ was the servant of Jehovah, wasn't he? And he did humble himself for us sinners. And he came into this wicked world and he went down to the lowest ring of the cross of Calvary and died for our sins. The mighty one. And yet he stands. Stands. I think this is amazing. Amazing condescension. Whenever you recall who he is. This is the one that angels worship. This is the one that saints cast down their crowns before. This is King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the one who's going to make all his enemies his very footstool. And yet when sinners come under the word and when sinners are in earshot of his gospel, he stands, stands knocking, stands calling. This is his own image that he gives for us to think about. The condescension of grace, though high and lofty, yet he stoops to knock at sinners' doors. Christ is a door-to-door worker. Christ is a door-knocker. Christ humbles himself, condescends to engage in that. But then the second thing that we learn about this posture and why he would do this, that we would learn, secondly, the preciousness of the soul of any man. Why would he knock? Why would he stand and do this? Why does he approach you in the gospel? Why does he send out his evangelists to raise his voice? Why does he send out his providences to knock you about in life, to make you think and to get your attention? Why, why would he do that? Why would he stand at all outside your heart door and knock? Why? Because your soul is precious, that's why. Because you're valuable. The soul is valuable. What did the Lord Jesus say? What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul, the preciousness of the soul? That's why he stands there. He has a high estimate of the value of a man's soul. He won't leave it. He won't, as it were, fail to bring the gospel to it and give it opportunity And so he knocks and calls and stands. One soul is worth more than a whole world, Jesus says. And whenever you realize that and see that, you begin to comprehend why he stands. If any man with that priceless soul Here's my voice. You have a priceless soul, man. You have an immortal soul that will either perish or be saved for all eternity. It's priceless. And that's why Jesus stands at the door of it. He knows that. You need to know it too. And you need to, as it were, Cast away all the obstacles and all the resistance and all the hardness 
and open up your life to receive Jesus Christ for the benefit and for the salvation of your precious, precious soul. So don't lose your soul. Jesus stands at it because it's precious. How little regard men have for their souls. They have time for this and that and for all things, but no time for eternity. They look after their bodies and they feast their bodies and they self-gratify themselves. And as far as the adorning of their souls is concerned, there's nothing of it. No concern about their souls. No interest, no idea of its value. They just think it's all body and all beauty and all surface. And so they'd quicker go to the shops and quicker go to the places of pleasure and quicker go to this and that and the other than they would go to Jesus Christ who stands at the door. Does the shopkeeper come and stand at your door? Do the pleasure dens who run the pleasure dens, they come and stand at your door. But Jesus Christ comes and stands at your door because he knows your real value, the value of your soul. The posture he adopts shows the preciousness of the soul of any man. But then thirdly, this posture bespeaks his love and his grace and his compassion. Why does he condescend? Why does he come and humble himself, as it were, and go to the cross. Why, why this kindness, this condescension? It's because of his kindness. It's because of his compassion, because of his grace. And so he shows mercy and grace and tender loving kindness to souls. I mean, this is an amazing thing. Behold, I stand. It's grace that makes him stand. You remember how he beheld the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it? You remember how he said in a mournful tone, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but ye would not. It's in compassion he stands. It's in mercy and grace that he calls in the gospel sinners and sends them providences to knock them about to bring them to their senses, so to speak. And so it's his kindness. Many people have called at your house door, no doubt. You've treated them better than you've treated Jesus Christ. Even a beggar, if he called, you wouldn't chase him away. You would help him. But Christ comes. He comes and calls you in the gospel. He knocks at your door and you haven't a thought for him. No consideration of him. Anybody else is received heartily and welcomed into your home. But he's ignored. The one who gave you life. The one who gave you your very home. The one who gave you your eternal soul. And he calls you in the gospel to be reconciled to the Father through him. And you ignore him, and you refuse him. And still, still even tonight, he stands 
and calls. Grace, the grace is seen in that stand. The kindness is seen in that stand. Then fourthly, this posture bespeaks the long-suffering of Christ. Yes, what condescension, what love, what high esteem of precious souls, but he stands. And this implies waiting, patiently waiting. We might even paraphrase this expression, I have been standing at the door. That's the sense of it. I have been standing at the door. It's not a case, I stand at the door, I've been there two seconds and away I go. No, I, I have been standing at the door. And I'm still standing. That's the sense of this expression. I'm still standing. There is a patience in this stand. There is no immediate opening, and so does he go off. There is no response. I mean, the arrogance of all that's going on inside the, in here. Oh, we're rich. We're well off. We've got plenty of money. We don't need anything. We don't even need the Lord. We can live and behave as a congregation who doesn't even need him. The arrogance that would be enough to drive away our Lord, but he is long-suffering. And I'm standing still, he says. Behold a stand. I've been standing. A call, and yet there's silence within. A knock, another knock, but no response. Still he stands. And we might use that word behold and join it to the word stand. Behold, standing still. Standing still. After all your rejection of him, after all your sliding of him, after all of your neglecting of Jesus Christ, he's saying to you tonight, I'm standing still at the door. Standing still. And so he waits for sinners. He does not quickly go away. He does not quickly desert the place, but stands on. That's just Jesus Christ. That's just the way he is. A few knocks does not suffice him, but he stands on, waiting, waiting. You shouldn't keep him a single moment, but you've kept him years. You've ignored him for years. You've shut him out for years. And still he stands. And even tonight he knocks and calls again in the gospel. It's because of his long-suffering grace. You know, it's a great device of the devil to tell sinners that Jesus Christ is no mercy, that he's hard, that he's difficult, that he's unkind, that he has no compassion. Well, that's not the image I see here. This isn't the image that Jesus Christ gives us of an unmerciful, an impatient, and an unkind Savior. That's not the image that Jesus Christ would give you. He says, behold, sinner, I stand. I stand at the door and knock. And so we see here 
his patience, his long-suffering. Then we see, fifthly, this posture bespeaks the misery and the hardness of the human heart. The misery and the hardness. Think about the misery. I stand at the door, he says. What must it be like inside? If Christ is outside, if Christ is at the door, what must it be like inside where he isn't? You know what it's like? It's misery. Without Christ, there's no light. No light. Because he's light. If he's outside the door, it's darkness. It's darkness inside. I stand at the door. It's darkness inside. Do you not know you need me? He stands at the door as a prince of peace. Inside is misery. No peace. No peace to the wicked. No rest of soul. All kinds of foul spirits inside. All kinds of uncleanness. Misery. Christ without. Christ standing at the door. Misery. No rest. No peace within. Turmoil. Darkness. Confusion. Wickedness. Blackness. Terrible misery. And inside is marked by stubbornness. And inside is marked by wicked arrogance. And inside is marked with guilt. The guilty conscience. The new peace and the new rest. And the seeds of eternal destruction growing up, growing up inside. Misery. And Christ is at the door. The one who can remedy all that. The only one who can change that. The only one who can bring the rest and the peace. The only one who can take away the seeds of destruction from the soul and bring everlasting and eternal life. He stands at the door. Do you not know you need him in your life? Do you not know you need him in your heart and in your mind and in your soul? And you need a spirit to come in and operate in your life. And you need his blood to enter in to wash away your stains. He's standing at the door, and he shouldn't be at the door. He should be in your life. The only one who will deal with the misery. And so this shows the misery that there must be if he's standing at the door. And then it shows the hardness, doesn't it, as well? Christ is standing without, and the door is shut and barred. The heart says, I will not have this man to rule over me. This is the image. He's standing out without. And the heart inside is saying, I'll, I'll not have this man to rule over me. I'll not, have, I'll not admit this Christ. I will not let this Savior and Redeemer into my life. I'll not have him reigning over me. That's the, that's the end of the matter. There's the, it shows the hardness of the human heart. It even shows the hardness of this congregation. Let us see, oh, they might have plenty of money in the bank. Big, rich congregation, a big, rich church, and they don't need anything. But they haven't got Jesus. Because by their antics, they've locked him out. All the misery and the hardness of such places where they treat Jesus Christ thus. The unspeakable hardness of the soul. Is that your heart tonight, sinner? Are you seeing your heart tonight? He's standing without. 
And then the pastor also bespeaks the, the limitation of his long-suffering. The limitation of his long-suffering. Yeah, I said he stands. He stood for years in many cases. He stands long. He will not stand always. Nobody stands always. You see, if you stand, you're forgoing at some point. He's not sitting. He's not making up his bed and making up his home there outside the door as if he's going to stay there forever and ever, if it's going to be all your lifetime. No, he's just standing. He's as ready to move off as he is to move in. So the standing shows he's ready to enter. Yes, it does show that. But it also shows he's ready to go away. He's just standing, sinner. He's just standing. He'll not stand always. You know how many times he stood in the temple? Oh, he went there from a little, from where he was just born, he went there. He was brought there. And then every Passover, he went up every one year, two years, three years. It was all the same, up until he was 12 and 13. And then he could, he could begin to go as an adult. The young man. Every year he stood in the temple of God. My feet shall standing be in Jerusalem. And he stood there. But there came the last week when he would stand there for the last time and he'd go away and he says to behold your temple is left unto you desolate. Oh, if you had known in this your day when I was among you and now it's hid from your eyes and he wept over the place. Yes, he stood long. He stood many years at the temple doors but there came a time when he went away and the house was left forever desolate. Yes, it stood for now 40 years. We know that. But the glory of God was gone from it for good with the departure of Jesus Christ. He'll not stand always, sinner. He'll go away soon if you don't turn and repent. What does the Bible say? He limiteth a certain day, saying, Today, after so long a time, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Yes, today, after such a long time, today, he limiteth a certain day, a day when he will go away and stand no more. He is long-suffering, but he loveth his honor, and his long-suffering will come to an end. So be warned, sinner, and turn. And then this standing, it also bespeaks the justice of God in the damnation of that obstinate sinner and in the closing of that stubborn church. His standing 
outside the door shows the justice of the doom of the Christ rejecter. The justice of his doom. Christ has stood and called like wisdom in Proverbs. Behold, I've called, but you've refused. I have stretched out my hand. This is Christ. And no man regarded. Ye have said it not all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. You see, it shows the justice of the punishment of the wicked. If you perish and go to hell, you can say nothing because you'll always have this image given in the gospel, Christ standing at the door. He's standing at the door. It's his image, not mine. It's a Bible image. It's in the book. It's what it says. It's an image you'll always have, sinner. And if you reject Jesus Christ, your damnation is just. It's just. You deserve all you get. But you would be so hard and turn your face from grace and kindness and patience and the knocks of Jesus Christ and the voice in the gospel preached of Jesus Christ and his standing for years at your life. Whose damnation is just. If you're going to be an obstinate sinner and let everything into your life, every evil wickedness, all this and all that, and the only thing you close out is Jesus Christ, Surely you must see that your damnation is just. Don't be a fool. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish with Jesus Christ. Don't ignore this picture, this image of gospel grace. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you do hear his voice, and the Spirit enters in and melts you, then open the door, and he will come in. He'll come in in all his grace and glory, and the fellowship shall be sweet, and it will never end to all eternity. Open to Jesus Christ. Take him in your life and into your heart Christ in you not Christ outside you but Christ in you fellowshipping with you by his spirit the hope of glory so receive Christ and don't reject him anymore sinner and as a congregation 
Let us never find ourselves in a situation where the Lord Jesus has been forced out. And if that should ever happen, there's still always a situation where the private member here and there, he can open the door. And he can still enjoy the fellowship. Even if the whole church can't. So child of God, there should be nothing stopping you fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. Not even a poor church. Not even a poor church. You can fellowship with Jesus. You can sup with Christ. If you hear his voice and his word. And admit him. Let us pray then.